All right, testing, testing. Is this thing on? Sam Rajovsky here. Uh, yes, well, it is. That's the good news. Monday morning, all the equipment is fired up, ready to go, just like me, your host of the What's Right Show. All right, so I'm, look, um, Robbie, this speech that Biden gave, his first official uh, kickoff to his 2024 presidential campaign was a disaster. But before I get to it, let me fast forward to today. And even though we are broadcasting live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas, I'm going to take us to New York City. Because the scenes that are unfolding in New York now, in this very moment, I think will shape the course of this next year and the presidential election itself. Now, what do I mean by this? What's going on? First off, if you haven't heard... All the bridges basically into New York and out of New York have been shut down by Palestinian protesters. All right, the, the Hamas, you know, people are out there. Hamas, not Hamas. Yes, I, I correct. Yeah, the, the Hamasophiles, the pro-Palestinian wackadoodles, the leftists, they're out there bringing New York to a standstill. Now, uh, it's not just New Yorkers, of course, that are seeing this. Uh, it's everybody, right? It's a, it's, there's a visual here. There are bridges, major thoroughfares, people being stuck in gridlock traffic. And it's, uh, it, it's not a good situation. And scenes like this have unfolded elsewhere. Here in Vegas, we've been largely immune to these protests, but it's going on in LA. You've seen, you know, LAX, for example, going into the holiday week, you know, the, the, the Palestinian people showed up and blocked all the access at one point to uh, to LAX, Los Angeles International Airport. So these are majorly disruptive events. And that's not really the story, though. What's the story? The story is that they're allowed to do it. Okay, they're allowed to do it. Now, why am I talking about Biden's Valley Forge speech and now fast forwarding from Friday to what's going on now with these Hamas protesters? Um, th- there's, a, there's a connection. There's a sinew, and I'll tell you what it is. There is a, I, for, I think for ordinary Americans who are not particularly political, uh, I think they're sick and tired of hearing about January 6th, particularly when here in the now, We have people getting away with inflicting enormous amount of damage to uh, ordinary Americans on a day-to-day basis, all in the name of their political agenda, which happens to be, oh, by sheer coincidence, favored by the regime in power. Every time, Biden is just, what, what the Valley Forge speech told us is it laid out what, I guess, Biden's case for his re-election is. And he's already, by the way, declared he's he's running against Trump. The entire speech is about Trump. The entire speech is essentially about January 6th, what led up to it, according to Biden's warped fantasies, what led up to it, what what you know, Trump's responsibility for it, and 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 how Trump is a despicable, horrible, disgusting person. Now, as a persuasive case. 
we'll start there. Biden's speech falls flat because I, do you think really anybody's moving the needle on Trump right now? I mean, if it's somebody new, if Trump ends up for whatever reason not being able to carry forward in the race and there is a, a, another candidate that takes the helm of the Republican Party, that's another issue. That person, you know, America has probably a lot of give, even if it's a very well-known person, let's like Nikki Haley, right? That that person still will rise and fall based on caricatures and whatnot. But I think people have decided whether they like Trump or not. So going back three years, here's my point, going back three years is, is sort of not helpful to Biden at all, making arguments about Trump being despicable. People that think Trump's despicable already you know, don't need any more persuading. But for most Americans listening about, and I'm convinced of this, right? This is my instinct on this. For most Americans that are listening to him rehash something that they've already made up their mind on, and at the same time failing, right, to deploy, for example, federal resources to clear these hooligans out of cities where they're blocking thoroughfares, where they're blocking access to international airports, et cetera, where you would... In certain circumstances like these, the, the federal authorities may have the right, in fact, and the duty to open up these gateways of international, of, excuse me, interstate commerce and international commerce. The FBI is busy running around, you know, every city in America looking for white supremacy. That's the thing that, that's, that's the, the, the misfire here for Team Biden. Before I even get into the speech and explain to you and show you how awful it is uh, on its merits, the strategy itself to me is, I think, significantly flawed. That's, that's the issue. So you've got all these, you know, you've got, you've, the, these protests, by the way, here's a, a taste of what is going on today in, um, in New York. Listen, these are, this is, this is the kind of protest that people are and you can see the cars are jammed up completely. Listen. Imagine trying to get to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all you want to do is get to work and you're listening to these lunatics. And it's it's all over the world, right? These same people are, are being active and, and doing this kind of horse crap in Europe. As well, and 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 they're they're basically modeling this on the environmentalist freaks. So the left really has only one gear and one playbook, and and they keep repeating it, and they're getting away with it because, of course, the left has emasculated the police and wants these people to be given free. And because, in fact, I'll tell you the the crazy truth of it is that that the American left today, the Democratic Party, is terrified of losing these this significant power group within voter group within the Democratic Party. So they're in essence paralyzed and unable to do anything. Now a clip that has gone viral today of a driver trying to get his kid to school. Listen to this. You're disrupting traffic, idiots. You can't do that. That's against the law. Well, Alan, I'm about to start the one fist, bro. I'm not gonna run you over. Get away from my car, bro. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Get away from my car. 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 Get away from my car.
Yeah, and, and yeah, and he's physically shoving people out of the way, clearing traffic so people can. Yeah, there you go. And that's what's okay. We could cut it, but that's that's what's going on. Just to give you an idea, and and I'll right now as we speak, millions of Americans on social media are seeing this guy and how frustrated he is, and it's not about the political statement anymore. It is about the fact that the Democratic Party in these blue cities is inextricably tied to accepted and tolerated lawlessness. So then when Biden tries to give some high-minded moral authority speech about how he is the keeper of democracy, sort of comes across a little lame when it's his Department of Justice that picks and chooses who they prosecute and what laws they enforce based solely really on political agenda. You're probably thinking, well, Sam, that's that's a little bit too far. The 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 DOJ, they're even-minded folks. They they, you know, they they do their best, right, to to enforce the laws. Look at this. I'll give you an example of why what I am saying is a hundred percent true. Just as all of these scenes of airports getting blocked, bridges getting blocked cities being brought to a standstill by lunatic left-wing protesters. Last week, the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves, announced with great glee the conviction of a woman named Paula Harlow. Now, Harlow is 75 years old. She's from Kingston, Massachusetts. She was convicted for a well, specifically the charge of federal conspiracy against rights. This is the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, the FACE Act, because back in 2020, she blocked, I guess, protested on a sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic. So what did she get? 11 years in prison, up to $250,000 in fines. Those, that's what you get for this. It's absolutely astounding. You you can go to prison for a decade as a 75-year-old in the United States of America blocking an abortion clinic. That's good good as gold. But you know what? You can bring an entire city like New York to a standstill and have the police stand by and let you do it. Forgive me if I uh, express some skepticism that Joe Biden, the Biden administration, and frankly, any Democrat who tolerates this in this country is, uh, might I say, uh, interested in justice and liberty for all. Don't go anywhere. We'll get to the speech. And this, by it's the blueprint for the campaign. This is why it's so important, because we now have an idea of how Biden is going to tackle this. He assumes Trump is the opponent which I think is a reasonable assumption, and he's laying out his grand scheme of how he's going to combat this. I don't think it's going to be successful, and I'll explain to you more on that when we return. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening, again, to The What's Right Show, uh, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve 
what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, welcome back. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. This hour of the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Yes, so another example, and Robbie, thank you for reminding me of this. Uh, There was a, uh, back in November, there was a major protest on the Bay Bridge, the San Francisco Bay Bridge, uh, which delayed an organ transplant uh, being delivered to UCSF Hospital. Uh, so, you know, and, 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 and this is precisely it. The absurdity of how the law is both written but and also enforced. It's an enforcement issue because the politicized DOJ picks and chooses which fights they fight and which charges they bring. If you obstruct a sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic for even a moment – 75-year-old lady I was telling you about just before the break gets you 10 years in prison, but completely blocking a bridge and delaying an organ transplant makes you a hero. And by the people are are bragging about it. I mean, can I say this? There's a guy, Whitney. Uh, let's see. Doesn't matter. At Benjamin Ovitz on Twitter, uh, X, if you will. Today, 200 of us shut down I-5 North for a ceasefire and a free Palestine. We were supported by hundreds more on the overpass bridges. Our numbers were so vast that no one was arrested. We keep each other safe. Where's the FBI to hunt these people down? Where's law enforcement stepping up, finding these people and going after them? They're bragging about it. Their faces are on camera. Go for it. Do it. But they won't. And so then when Joe Biden keeps talking like a broken record about January 6th, the insurrection, da-da-da-da-da, it just starts to stink, all of it. This is part of how the speech began. This was Friday afternoon, Valley Forge, Biden laying out his shtick for re-election. Today we gather in a new year, some 246 years later, just one day before January 6th, a day forever shared in our memory because it was on that day that we nearly lost America, lost it all. Today, we're here to answer the most important of questions. Is democracy still America's sacred cause? This is not rhetorical, academic, or hypothetical. Whether democracy is still America's sacred cause is the most urgent question of our time. And it's what the 2024 election is all about. Well, let's first, let me just say this. There's a lot of claims that Biden makes in this speech. And not every one of them, uh, you know, not every one of them can the average person really fact check without doing a deep dive and and having to rely on, you know, on certain sources and, and, and videos and whatever. But this idea that we almost lost America on January 6th, folks, if you actually believe that, if you actually think 
that what happened on January 6, 2021, that we came within a hair, that we nearly lost, in Biden's words, America, then I, you know, I, mean, I have no words for you, right? Messy, violent at times by some people, many of them wearing all black with their faces obscured, some of the violence literally on camera captured as people in MAGA hats, red hats, with their faces unobscured are begging him and pushing him and telling him to stop. A lot of questions that I have and I think many others have about what happened on January 6th, but, but one thing is obvious, right? We didn't nearly lose America that day. That's nonsense. And so... If you, if, if, if you already accept and, and can understand, right, that, that it's, it's a huge, absurd exaggeration, you start to realize the rest of this and how exaggerated it is. Keeps the, the, yeah, the claims about the police officers dying. Here we go. Three years ago tomorrow, we saw with our own eyes the violent mob stormed the United States Capitol. It was almost in disbelief as you first turned on the television. For the first time in our history, insurrectionists had come to stop the peaceful transfer, transfer of power in America. First time, smashing windows, shattering doors, attacking the police. Over 140 police officers were injured. Jill and I attended the funeral of police officers who died as a result of the events of that day. Because, Donald, because of Donald Trump's lies, they died because these lies brought a mob to Washington. Even with the uh, run-amuck Department of Justice going after all of the January 6th protesters, did anybody ever get charged with murder? I mean, these are... <laughs> this guy's making it up. He's pulling the stuff out of his rear end. It's all made up, and he's not, he's, this is an ad-libbed, okay? This isn't something that he's, he's not freewheeling here. He's reading off a prompter. That's how confident the Biden regime is that they can lie and make absurd statements because like the communists of old, they recognize that if they keep repeating the same lies over and over and over again, many unsuspecting dolts, out there in the country will just buy it hook, line, and sinker. It's fiction. It's total fiction. So as BLM folks slap on the wrist, no big deal, burn down American cities, summer of George, run amok through this country, destroying it, lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, what did, yeah, and people did die in those, in those riots. You betcha, Robbie. So, you know, and, and guess what? Now, so none of those people, Biden's bragging about how much jail time all these mom and pops that showed up at the Capitol going, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're there for Trump. We're there for Trump and get caught up in this. Listen to this. This is just absolutely bananas. It's just unbelievable. Since that day, more than 1,200 people have been charged for their assault on the Capitol. Nearly 900 of them have been convicted or pled guilty. Collectively to date, they have been sentenced to more than 840 years in prison. 
Let me tell you something, folks. The Democrats are only law and order when it involves getting Republicans, particularly the Trumpsters. That's the fact. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Don't go anywhere. Be back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. There's two things that are simultaneously true about Biden's speech, okay? One is... No, January 6th was not an insurrection. And two, there's nothing more American than insurrection itself. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, you're listening to the What's Right show. The difference between us and our, you know, uh, kind of look like us, talk like us a little bit neighbors to the north is that they went along and obediently towed the line to the British government and wrote it out while we kicked the Brits out. And it wasn't pretty. And nothing's more absurd in Biden's speech that he delivered at Valley Forge on Friday, kicking off his re-election bid to chance of four more years. I don't know who was shouting that in the room. Who wants four more years of this? I don't know. All the people that want four more years of Biden were in that room when he gave that speech. Okay, so here he's talking about the history of America, right? And he's talking about George Washington. That's how we know that Biden's serious, okay? When he's going to talk about how bad Trump is, how awful January 6th is, he's going to take it back to something George Washington knew in his bones. General Washington knew something in his bones, something about the spirit of the troops he was leading, Something, something about the soul of the nation he was struggling to be born. This army that lacked blankets and food, clothes and shoes, this army whose march left bloody bare footprints in the snow, this ragtag army made up of ordinary people, their mission, George Washington declared, was nothing less than a sacred cause. That was the phrase he used, a sacred cause, freedom, Liberty, democracy. So this was right at the beginning of the speech, and I'm listening to it. Okay, now now hear me out. I'm listening to this, and um, and I I know the I know the Washington D.C. people. I there was nothing. There was nothing more despicable to the uh of all the the political establishment in the country that some protester came into Nancy Pelosi's office and put his filthy feet on her desk. Remember that picture? What is What was his name? Big O, that guy? Uh, he got a decade or more in prison, by the way. Um, yeah, put his feet up on her. How dare they desecrated these beautiful buildings? It was more about that in truth you really get down into it than it was about preserving democracy. A bunch of hooligans, a bunch of unwashed Trump supporters went inside their building and and, and made a mess. Now, I'm not diminishing, it may be very clear here, I'm not diminishing the vandalism. You know, I I mean, hell, I'm a a law and order guy, okay? 
prosecute it as you will. It's a trespass. It's vandalism. Insurrection? What the literal heck? This this stuff, it, overcharged is an understatement. But the funny thing about what Biden says here about these ragtag patriot, the ragtag army, isn't it funny how the ragtag army of George Washington, uh, that somehow that in, in the lore of of our nation's birth, as these words are coming out of Biden's mouth, it's it's something to be celebrated. You know, these ragtag army, they were fighting the redcoats, right? That's the, the imagery. The Brits were perfectly polished. They had beautiful uniforms. Everything was, you know, it was a 10 out of 10 in the style department, okay? And they lost, right? Be, you know, obviously the, the, the history and how that, how that all played out, but... But imagine I'm, I'm, what I'm getting at is, look, a, a lot of the criticism here of this of this of this riot protest turned into riot is that these people were ragtag and, and you hear it in the media all the time. Now, what what is it? What was the tweet here from? Uh, I had it here a second ago. This uh, uh, Scott Adams had a great tweet that basically um yeah, it's in the note. Yeah, I I I got it here. So yeah, the, 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 so fabulous. Uh, so I I think well, he calls Biden dementia Hitler. Scott Adams, he's the Dilbert guy, but he's really got this right. I think dementia Hitler got this backwards. If you aren't willing to overthrow your government, it should should it need a good overthrowing, you're not American, right? And and this is it's so important. He writes to the American identity. And that's what, and that's part of what is so absurd and and uh, unbelievable about the about the Biden speech and his his entire framework for his campaign is going to be. We're going to talk nothing but about January sixth. And what's what what he's won? He's missing the point on, I think, what it you know some some of the more rebellious natures of of the American identity. Sure, but the other thing is. Doesn't this essentially demonize half the country? Isn't this, Robbie, going back to Hillary losing over her deplorables comments? You know, Biden won the last election to the extent that it was a fair fight, okay, putting an asterisk there, on, I believe, the basis that everybody thought he was a grand old man, nice swell guy, and he was going to be a pleasant change. He wasn't out there being a, being a jerk. But he is a jerk. And he's picking a fight. This isn't a fight with Trump. This is a fight with ordinary Americans. This is a fight against middle America. And this is, um, you know, this, this to me, I think, is such a terrible strategy. Oh, well, yeah. Well, what else did he say? It, it, it got it got bad from there. He, uh, the Hitler thing that was that was astounding. Didn't take long for that. Uh, yeah. This was this was at Friday. This was a. He said this. Oh, listen to me. This is what he said about Trump. This was at a different event, but uh, these comments got some some notice. Uh, have a listen. He calls those who oppose, oppose him vermin. He talks about the blood of America is being poisoned. Echoing the same exact language used in Nazi Germany. He proudly posts on social media the words, 
that best describe his 2024 campaign, quote, revenge, quote, power, and quote, dictatorship. There's no confusion about who Trump is, what he intends to do. This is insane talk. And he sounds angry. And I think it's because Biden's, of course, losing it. So his marbles aren't all there. And he, and he gets he wants to make a fine point of something. And so he sounds like an angry man at a diner who hasn't gotten his uh, pancakes yet. Now, go back to, yeah, yeah, they, they give him, you're right, Robbie's right. You, they're pumping him up full of, you know, happy, happy drugs. And so he, he has two, you know, modes right now. He's either over-pumped and kind of got this, these, this roid rage thing going on, or it's just, or he's dozing off and he's, you know, can't understand what he's saying. Now, back when Joe Biden was 12 years ago, less uh, dementia-addled, um, uh, this was a, a speech he was giving to a largely uh, black audience in Danville, Virginia. Uh, was campaigning here for, um, for obviously for the Obama uh, ticket when they were running for re-election. Listen uh, to what he said about Mitt Romney. This is Joe Biden about Mitt Romney. And... Um, just stop me if it sounds familiar. Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Wow. Mitt Romney. Yeah, that's, that's a Joe Biden. He is a despicable demagogue. We've all known this about him. And we also know he's an exaggerator and a serial liar. If anybody here that's uh, been in the presidency deserves to be in prison, it's him. So what's my what's my take on? I I I think, friends, to be perfectly honest, I I think this is great. I think all of this is fantastic. If this is how he intends to win the race and get across the finish line in November, I don't think it's going to work. Because it's, A, very hostile, not to Trump, but in, in fact, broadly to a huge portion of this country. Two, it's regressive. It goes back in time to three years ago, and, and it ignores the issues of the here and now. What, where's the, where are the issues? What if Trump runs on the issues? What, and, and he will. He'll uh, Fundamentally, he'll run on law and order. He'll run on closing the border. He'll run on... on, on un <laughs> You don't want to talk about unchaining, unchaining the economy. People get to choose between somebody who's stuck in January 6th, 2021, and who's angry and hostile to somebody that, um, you know, wants to actually make meaningful changes that are now affecting way more people, right? For example, immigration, way more Americans, even in blue cities, affected by this now than back in 2016 and 2020. That's the issue. That is what this will come down to. So, um, I, you know, if I were a Democrat, I would be very worried right now about the direction of this race. All right, some uh, reactions to this um, when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust with your injury case, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. 
right, here we go. Some great examples for you of, um, of some of these injustices and incongruous sentences. Uh, Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Biden has declared his campaign to be all about January 6th under the guise of preserving democracy. So, uh, well, and he's giving as his example all the violence, right? The violence perpetrated that day was unprecedented. And, of course, uh, it came within a hair of losing this country as we know it. (laughs) Total joke, right? Nobody, nobody in the Biden administration is talking about Oh, they're answering questions on it, but talking about the insane amount of deadly drugs flowing into this country because of an open border. They're not talking about Mexican drug cartels openly operating in states along the southern border. They're not talking about the BLM protests. (laughs) Those were fine. You know, I, I... People actually, cops actually died in those, by the way, if I must recall some of this, some of these events, if you'll remember. Um, uh, Well, in St. Louis, four police officers shot and wounded. A retired St. Louis police captain was killed by looters at a pawn shop. This was June 2020. And then here um, in Las Vegas, you'll remember Shea McLennis shot during the 2020 BLM protests and the 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 bastard that shot him and paralyzed him right i mean he's shave's never going to be the same edgar samniego he's going to spend at least 20 years in prison okay he got convicted all right and so he should frankly i mean for 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 what he did uh i would i would have put him in, in, in prison for life. But, um, y- you know, I mean, look, Enrique Terrio, who wasn't even at January 6th, right, Robbie? He got 22 years in prison. Stuart Rhodes got an 18-year prison term. Ethan Nordine, a U.S. military veteran who led the Seattle chapter of the Proud Boys, was sentenced to 18 years in prison. Zachary Real. 15 years in prison. I mean, it's just, it's absurd. You can literally cripple a police officer with a bullet and you're getting less time than some guy who's parading around like an idiot, you know, proud boys, you know, this is absurd. He wasn't even at the Capitol riot. He was arrested. He was in custody. Prosecutors noted that Terrio took credit for the riot on behalf of the group. <laughs> yeah. So again, I mean, don't don't do that. They'll come and get you. This all of this is absurd. And if Biden wants to make this a central issue of the election, I bring it on. But what happens when all of this starts to fall apart? And surely it will. So we have um, Cape. Uh, oh yeah, there was the, the Cape Heart interview. I, Robbie, that was. Oh, that was great. Um, yes, yeah, Cape Heart. Uh, well, he was Jonathan Cape Heart uh, pulled out a 
Capered, yeah, he pulled out tissues and cried over January 6th as he's interviewing former D.C. police officer Michael Finoni. Um, he's, a, he's a guy with the tattoos. They always bring him out. Um, I think he's favorable to the Democrats' cause, so they, they've always got him on. But but the, the, the officer's actually embarrassed by this. That Capert, Capert is actually crying. Listen. I'm going to try to get through this. Um, thank you for what you did three years ago today. Um, please tell me your thoughts um, on this third anniversary. <clears throat> um, he doesn't even know what to say. We are uh, still in the midst of the, the same fight that began on January 6th, 2021. And we have a lot at, at stake in this country. Uh, and I think that it deserves every American's attention. Okay. All right. Oh, Capert. <gasps> I can't even. I, I pulled out a tissue as he's doing this on air Saturday. Now, remember, the Republicans in Congress have been asking the FBI and the DOJ to name assets that were out there in the field. And Tucker Carlson had a Clay Higgins, a Republican Louisiana. He asked him to give uh, some estimate of FBI assets based on his their investigation. And Tucker asks him, what's in the scale of this? What's the scale of this? Are you talking like 10 or 20? Meaning number of FBI agents, assets, informants, agitators, right? All that. And uh, the, the response was staggering. I'm bringing this back up out of the archive because, um, no, this was Saturday, but this has been talked about before, and I've played for you the clips of people testifying about this from the DOJ. Listen. When putting together eyewitnesses and, and videos and affidavit statement and whistleblower statements and uh, court records that have been revealed through individual criminal cases where J6 defendants have been prosecuted and Smart attorneys have forced admissions by the DOJ and the FBI, but those admissions have been sealed within the parameter of that criminal case by protective order by the judge. So they, I, I can't share them, but I've seen them. So r real hard, objective, and conservative estimates would, would put the number of FBI assets in the crowd, outside, and working inside at well over 200 200 yeah i've no doubt about this and and i know that because i've watched the the open court testimony of the director of the fbi christopher ray and others who have ta testified on the hill and and they they get asked directly how many assets were well, I can't. So I can't. Get, I can't give you. I can't give you an answer. I, I just so it's ongoing investigation. They are obfuscating on this. If it was one or two or three, I mean, they would say it. They would just say, "Yeah, we had a couple of people in the crowd." I'm sorry, I got out of control. Biden staking his entire re-election campaign on this House of Cards has to be the dumbest political move I have witnessed in my lifetime. Because what happens when this narrative falls apart? What happens when it becomes obvious that this whole thing was an agitprop, you know, created fiction? 
I understand, right, the real violence, but who perpetrated it? Who led it? Who agitated for it? And I, it, it, I'm, yeah, I, don't get me wrong, I'm one of those people like Vivek Ramaswamy who had, who was disgusted with what he saw in January, you know, 2021. I was incensed because it was not a good look and it was not a particularly fine moment in our movement regardless, right? Because, you know, but, but the idea that this whole thing happened in a vacuum, it was all at the behest of, 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 um, Trump, Trump, uh, you know, propagators were out there looking to overthrow the government is, is an absurdity. And at no point does Biden acknowledge Trump telling people to be peaceful. The tweet that he sends out to stand down, all of that, none of that gets put in anywhere. It's all a bunch of lies. All right. We had a missing uh, we had a missing cabinet member. Um, let's talk about that. Some weird stuff going on in the government. I'll be back in a moment. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends, here we go. The What's Right Show, second hour, live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. I, Sam Rajofsky, your host, um, glad to be here. Uh, this, um, this business of the airplane, the Boeing 737 MAX uh, that had the door uh, come out, I, I saw something um, that I think is, is somewhat credible based on the flight data on this plane just just letting you know look the the door blew off at 16,000 feet and apparently the 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 flight was the the flight was operating under a special flight restriction so it wasn't allowed to fly over water so this typically occurs when there is a known problem with the plane now what i can't tell you is was the known problem the door was it something else but basically, that plane typically so the the flight was headed from from uh, was Portland, was it Portland or Seattle? It was Pacific Northwest, and it was headed down to Ontario, California, which is in the Inland Empire, Southern California area airport. And uh, typically, what happens those those flights will go uh, spend a chunk of the flight will be over the water, over the Pacific Ocean. So it kind of hugs the coast, goes out over the water, and then goes down along the coast. Because there's there's less traffic there, it's a more direct path. But here, this particular flight was 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 told that it had to be over land. There was a flight. So what if? Now hear me out on this. What if they knew that this problem existed and still let the plane fly? They were like, okay, we're gonna maintain, we're gonna deal with this maintenance problem later. Oh, I don't know how you feel about that. I I don't particularly love that problem. So. Um, and 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 most people are asking, well, so how do I find? <laughs> can you look somewhere? Can you look if you're about to board a plane? Can you check out the tail number and put it into a a site somewhere to determine if the plane's under a flight restriction? I don't I don't think so. I don't think they make that public. So um, so this th- there's a more there's more to this story than meets the eye. Is my point. And uh, a reminder, a friendly reminder here, uh, some. Um, 
uh, Sam gospel for you. And I, I fly a lot. And I'm also one of these people that I have authority problems, right? So people tell me to, you know, sit down and, and, and buckle up and all this stuff. My, my instinct is, of course, to, to do, a, do things my way. But let me tell you, the buckling up thing, it's real when it comes to your car, right? Because that's a proven fact. You don't buckle up in your car, you're an idiot. You're going to get a Darwin Award and remove yourself from the gene pool. So don't do that. But the other part of it is on a plane. You, you, it's unbelievable how quickly you can hit turbulence without knowing it. It's not showing up in the, in the, on the weather radar. There's no notice of it. It could be wind shear. And we've seen a number of prominent incidents where people are thrown all around the airplane. And the only foolproof, well, it's not even foolproof, but the best way to prevent, you know, injuries from being really, truly catastrophic in an event like that is to, is to put on a seatbelt and maintain, and keep your seatbelt on when you're seated. The other thing that is kind of important to note is if, you know, suddenly a plane door blows off the airplane, um, you're going to get sucked out of the airplane if you're not, if you're, if you're anywhere near that entrance and, and you're not, not buckled up. And I think they almost lost a kid from that row. The kid went, almost went flying out the, the window and lost his shirt. I mean, it must have been absolutely terrifying. So please buckle up buttercup. You know, when you're seated in your seat, you know, keep your, keep your um, seatbelt fastly tightened uh, around your waist. All right. No, I don't know, Robbie, if the belt extenders, if that uh, weakens the efficacy of the, uh, of the, of the safety restraint system. But um, good question. Good question. All right. This this story, um, <laughs> Lloyd Austin. You, you know what the best part about this? Story? Lloyd Austin, if you didn't hear about this, defense secretary went missing for several days. It turns out he was in the hospital uh, having a, some sort of medical episode. But can I tell you, the real part of the story that I love is how gently he's being treated by the media. To me, that's the real story here. Okay, uh, let me give you uh, the intelligence for citing the, what is this, the Politico and other sources wrote about this and, um, and goes through it kind of step by step. My favorite, my favorite line, Austin has acknowledged responsibility for the snafu. It's not a snafu. Okay, if you just don't show up to work for several days, most of us mortals, right, people that, you know, aren't important like a guy running, I don't know, the entire U.S. military complex, okay? We get fired. <laughs> if we go missing for four days, um, most jobs, you're done, okay? And this is a guy who has assistants, who has secretaries, who has family around him. That's the part of the story I don't buy. Like, nobody's asking, did, did the entire infrastructure of staff around him who the, nobody knew and i love by the way i love when i love when they say when biden says biden wasn't aware even biden wasn't aware biden wouldn't be aware regardless i that that's the that's the nothing burger part of the story biden isn't aware if biden himself were hospitalized he wouldn't know it but that's not the thing the, the story here is that i what kind of bumbling ineffective organization is this because it's not about austin it's not about the defense secretary. I, I, I'm not here to carry water for him, but I'm just going to tell you, I, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you are unconscious in the hospital, 
You know, you're not the first one going, I'm going to call my boss. I mean, I, I, you know, something, uh-huh. But yeah, but if you're, that's right, Robbie. Rob, yes, and of course, Robbie, former member of the military, Air Force veteran, uh, telling us, this, this command structure, you, of course, you're, you've, you've got to report to somebody. But point is, somebody around you ought to. Robbie, what would you say? How many people do you think administratively support the Secretary of Defense in the U.S. government? Minimum 20, right? 20 people that are like directly, like in his office, embedded in his office. See, that's the part, none of the media are talking about. So they're, so they're making all these um, excuses for him. Political playbook reports that the prominent explanation put forth by administration insiders is that the defense secretary is just a, and I quote, a stubborn old school military guy who keeps this sort of thing to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Politico, Austin is an intensely private man, a 70-year-old four-star general who is set in his ways and dislikes to bother people, including apparently some of his staff. Um, that's the explanation. And Politico is, but Politico's carrying water for this crazy. What was what, what it, Robbie? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, well, that's what it is, right? He gets a pass because he's successful. Well, what is he's, but no, see, Robbie, you're right. You're, but you're right. No, 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 we're not measuring, we're not measuring this military based off of objective things like the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal. That's not what we're going to do. See, for the people over at Politico and for the inside the beltway, you know, Bolshevik Democrats, Austin has been in, immensely successful at destroying the U.S. military, which was sort of the last bastion of, of real conservative American values in this country. So that's, by the way, that's where uh, true meritocracy, for example, but it's even beyond that. The extent to which, do you remember the loathing the Clintons always had for, for the military? And you know Why? Because they knew, the Clintons instinctively knew as revolutionaries back in the, in the 90s and those were going a ways back, but they understood much like Obama did as well, right? And now Biden, they understand that the U.S. military, the members of the military, the, you know, the, 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 those guys that are just in there kicking, you know, A money, money and taking names, those are the people that know that all these political types are full of you know what? And they know that the military itself is a threat to them. They understand that. So to these folks, the real story here is that Austin is someone who actually delivered in, a, in, in probably the most meaningful way for the American left in destroying and taking apart the U.S. military. And whatever occurred here, we're not being told the truth of it. I'm not... It's not conspiracy level stuff. I'm just talking to you as an org guy, as somebody who runs a business. I, the idea that the boss goes missing and nobody knows anything is absurd. If I went missing, right? If I went to the hospital and was unconscious, my wife would call Ashley here at Sam and Ash Injury Law. And we would begin, you know, there would be communication behind that. Everybody would know what was going on. It'd be that simple. Now, I'm just a guy that runs a law firm and, has a radio show, okay? That's it. Here's the Secretary of Defense who's got family, who's got staff, who's got all these people around him, and nobody knew what was going on. 
please. It's a total joke, all of this from top to bottom. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Well, this is great. (laughs) Story out of California. Folks, it is insane over there. Be so glad, uh, those of you who are listening to this program in Nevada, that we're on the right side of the border. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Great to be with you, friends. Always a pleasure. You can always reach me, Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. That's my email. California will now begin covering, free of charge, sex change operations for illegal immigrants. (laughs) This is great. The Golden State is expanding its massive healthcare system this year, which means more taxpayer dollars will fund sex change surgeries for state residents, regardless of their citizenship status. What does that mean? Well, it means, of course, illegals Uh, can now turn from a he to a she and vice versa. This is wild stuff. You know how many people qualify, by the way, in California? Conservative estimates, about 700,000 illegal immigrants. Uh, And that's just those that are between 26 and 49 that qualify for this uh, particular health uh, care uh, benefit, state health care benefit. It's going to cost an estimated $3.1 billion. And I'm going to remind you that California this year is $67 billion in the hole. Talk about spending money you don't have. By the way, you know, you know how California is going to make this happen? Well, because Gavin Newsom is such a dutiful uh, spokesperson for Team Biden, no doubt Biden's – they're all counting on the fact that Biden's going to win the election and then bail California out. That's what they're hoping is going to happen. And it's, so the, the kind of the frustrating thing here is we can, we can laugh at it from the safety of Nevada and go, <laughs> what are these Californians doing? But it's going to be our tax money, literally our federal tax dollars that pay for this insanity in the end. I'm convinced of that, okay? Now, I have a practical question just throwing this out there okay hear me out what happens if they are looking for a person named i'm gonna be listen i'm not i'm gonna say if they're looking for a bob smith okay illegal immigrant bob smith and bob um you know somewhere they've got him you know they've got they're looking for a bob smith and and then bob goes to california becomes um, a resident, not a legal resident, a resident of the state, gets a sex change, and now Bob is Susie. Makes Bob a little harder to find, doesn't it? It's like a (laughs) a witness protection program (laughs) for illegals in California. (laughs) This is crazy. At what point... Another question, at what point do even left-wing people rebel against this? Like, how broke does your state have to be to, uh, I don't know, to get to a point where, you're, um, where, where you start rethinking all of your political choices? 
it's a very, very important question. Meanwhile, over here in Nevada, what are we sitting on about, you know, 10 billion in investments, which is, you know, so we're in the positive. And uh, incidentally, incidentally, we're a far smaller state. I mean, we are easily one-tenth the size, uh, you know, uh, just in terms of people of California. So this, um, this, this just is, is, is some crazy stuff. And it's only, Robbie, it keeps getting weirder. It keeps getting weirder. And, you know, I, I, I had my friend Ed reached out to me last, last week and said that <laughs> his idea was a, a mandatory re-education camp at the DMV. So if you, if, you, if you come into the state of Nevada, you enter particularly from inhospitable places like California, politically inhospitable and 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 you show up and you want a nevada driver's license that you need to take a course you know some sort of a citizenship course and and um some some re-education and uh and and that you know that was yeah yeah look i i'm just i'm saying we've well what we've got to we've just got to make sure that not too many crazy californians uh, come into this, um, come into this state, and continue voting for these kind of lunatic, lunatic positions. Now, speaking of lunatics, we had something happen today that is uh, really great news. Um, so we, there was a, you of course know uh, that Deobra Redden uh, Wednesday attacked District Judge Mary Kay Holtus here in Las Vegas. The judge was just finished saying that she would not sentence him to probation for an attempted battery charge, uh, that indicating, of course, that she was going to remand him to custody. And um, and Redden launched himself at her. You've seen the video. It was something spectacular. So then, what was it, today, two days later, Friday, refused to go into court. He just said, I'm not going to court. So the judge, and I love this, Judge Holtus, right here in Las Vegas, uh, made it known that the prisoner would make himself appear and would be transported to the hearing by all means necessary. He couldn't refuse. So they brought him into court. Did you see his picture, Robbie? Did you see his video? They've got him in a spit mask. They've got, they have got him in these, these uh, the, the, the hand mittens. He's chained up. When I told you that he had to bring him in like Hannibal Lecter, literally, that's what it looks like. He's surrounded by deputies. And so she finished sentencing him for the charges that he had pled guilty to, 19 to 48 months in prison. 19 to 48 months in prison on the attempt battery. Judge Holtz has said, I want to make it clear that I'm not not changing or modifying the sentence I was in the process of imposing last week before I was interrupted by the defendant's actions. Judge, I think that's a, I think that's a, a, a euphemism, if I've ever heard one. So yeah, he, was, he, he she, before she was interrupted. Now, th- this, folks, this is separate. I want to make this very clear. When you hear about the sentence, this is a very different sentence than for the actual assault that occurred. Okay, he's facing real jail time there, but those charges need to be, and they've been filed, I believe, and now they go, they'll, they'll go through the process, and um, he may have a trial or he may plead guilty. 
Um, this was for threatening to bust the kneecaps of another man with a baseball bat. That's what kind of a guy this is. Real nice guy. Goes around threatening to bust people in kneecaps and attacks judges. And I'll say this, the most important takeaway here for me is someone who is willing to attack a judge in open court with armed metro officers, you know, bailiffs, they're sitting there who are armed. If they're willing to do that, what will they do to you and me, to our families, to our kids, to our loved ones, to our friends and neighbors here in town when out and about roaming the streets? That's, that's why people like this really don't need to be out there among us. They've, you know, they've, they've punched their ticket. They're done. They're, uh, they've, <laughs> we can excuse them from polite society. Okay, quick break here. Bottom of the hour of the What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere, folks. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, welcome back. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian here. Uh, yeah, what's right show? Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, and of course, if you miss any portion of the program, always go to the podcast at What's Right Show, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Show typically uploads shortly after we go off air. So, there it is. Now, uh, Fetterman, I don't know if you've been following this. Fetterman lately has been sounding pretty conservative. John Fetterman, of course, being the uh, U.S. senator from Pennsylvania. And if you'll recall, he was, uh, well, he, he wasn't doing great during the campaign. Right? He had some, uh, had a stroke. The media went uh, to great lengths to cover for him. He was running against an actual medical doctor. <laughs> it was like, this guy's not doing well. And then after getting elected, Fetterman disappeared and went to a mental institution. I, well, he went to Walter Reed, but the point is he went to, he had a mental breakdown. And the most bizarre thing, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I guess if you, <laughs> you, when you go and get mental health care, you come out more conservative. <laughs> that's fair um, somebody wrote here the idea that John Fetterman stopped calling himself a progressive because he went to therapy is so funny that it's now my headcanon alright I got that Cenk Uyghur you know this is the young Turks guy Hamas sympathizer leftist fanatic now John Fetterman is telling everyone how he's not a progressive he rejects us He's calling Harvard pinko. What the, he uses the F word. What the F? This is why people lose hope because of frauds like Fetterman. You work hard to get a progressive elected and they turn into Republicans instantly. <laughs> yeah, listen, he was a progressive until he got mental health care. So then he got sane. I, what can I tell you, Chenk? <laughs> You're missing the point on this. By the way, they're all so PO'd about this. 
the left, they're so PO. Do you know what the plan was with Fetterman from Go? We covered it here. I told you it. I, for, as we were going through this, I explained to you step by step what the Dems intended to do. They had him. He was, well, he was a nice guy. He wore a lot of shorts. He liked his Carhartt. He just was a, he was an everyday guy. Dr. Oz was, of course, a slick multimillionaire who had a, a bit of a, a carpet-bagging flavor to him, if you will. And so, you know, the Dems ran Fetterman, and the idea was, they all knew he wasn't okay, but the idea was that he would step down once he got the job. And if you'll remember, he went rogue. He said, I'm not stepping down. And, and there was some tension in that time, and that's when the media for the first time began reporting on his, uh, his health problems. And I think that the pressure was so bad on him at the time that so many people within the Democratic Party establishment were leaning on him to step down that he went into hiding at Walter Reed. That's what I actually think happened. Now, why is this relevant and or interesting? Well, this is a guy that, that again, every vote matters in the, in the Senate. Like today, for example, he... Um, uh, he, he just co-sponsored a bill that would ba ban congressional stock trading. I mean, this is, uh, you know, reform-minded Republicans, uh, conservative Republicans are uh, keenly interested in this. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats far less so. Uh, but I think, you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating surprise. Adam Scott Adams calls it the best surprise of 2024 that he's – uh, he's he seems to be poking holes in some of the stuff that um, by the way he was he just got there's a clip going around of him talking about the southern border crisis well this is another one right that is is interesting here he's yeah here he's talking about the crisis at the border have a listen there's a crisis at the border and uh, I don't know how anybody could pretend that there isn't I, who do you think he's talking about when he says I don't know who could possibly think that there isn't a crisis at the border. Do you, do you think that there is some sort of not so on the down low reference there to Corrine Jean-Pierre, John Kirby, and everyone else over at Team Biden who continues to insist that there's nothing to see here, folks, keep moving along? I mean, I do. I think one of the ideas, Robbie, maybe was they were floating his wife. His wife is a major radical. And that will be the next tell, by the way. I, if there's matrimony, this is my prediction. Here is, a, here is a what's right prediction, Robbie. If we in the next year, because there's going to be a lot of pressure here to tow the Democratic Party line, get behind Biden, et cetera, et cetera. If, Fetterman, if, if Fetterman's marriage somehow hits the skids, then we know that this was exactly what I suspect it was because she was his handler and, and that's why she had such a prominent role inside the campaign and people were, were, were talking to her. His, his wife is, is an absolute die-in-the-world radical person. So they just, they really thought, I'm convinced of it, they thought that he was going to step aside and everything and, and he is so turned off by his own party. I could... Dare I say, I could under the right circumstances foresee 
uh, Fetterman leaving the Democratic Party altogether. And I certainly could see a guy like Fetterman, if he's more conservative and as popular as he, as he is, I think, in, in, in Pennsylvania now, as a bit of a mavericky type, could see him winning as an independent, but certainly as a Republican. This next year, I hope you're buckled up. I hope you're buckled up tighter than on a Boeing airplane that's missing the emergency exit. Because it's, folks, it's, it's, it's going to be an absolutely wild ride. I tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm just, prepare yourselves. Okay, quick break here. We're going to uh, be right back. The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. We'll be back after this. Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rachofsky here, News Talk 840-KXNT. I had a listener just now, uh, Diana, reach out asking uh, which airlines fly the 737 MAX 9, which is the one uh, of of the planes, uh, that this type of plane that was involved in this Alaska Airlines accident. Uh, and yes, this would be uh, characterized as an accident, part of the airplane uh came loose and separated from the airplane. I mean, this is a major uh, event and it is uh, nothing short of a miracle that the plane landed safely and uh, no one was, uh, was was killed on board. So I, I looked at this, uh, what airlines operated, interestingly enough, so the, the MAX 9, there's also a MAX 7 uh, and I believe an a MAX 8 and a MAX 10, but of the MAX 9, there's United Airlines, they have 79 in operation. United Airlines, 79 of these planes. And Alaska Airlines uses 65 of them. So so 79 and 65, Alaska, uh, United Airlines and Alaska Airlines. And then uh, foreign airlines, let's see, Copa, Aeromexico, they fly flights from Las Vegas to Mexico City, for example. So they operate 19 of them. Uh, and they've they're not buying anymore apparently. Yeah, Turkish Airlines, Iceland Air, Lion Air. Remember Lion Air had a crash with the, I believe was this, was the eight. Okay, um, Fly Dubai. So other airlines that don't don't fly here. But um, but anyway, this this is a highly efficient, uh, improved uh, version, uh, longer version two of the classic seven thirty seven airliner. Uh, but those are the airlines that fly it. So to answer your question, that's what's going on. By the way, United Airlines, who's one of the two major domestic operators of the MAX 9 jet, has found loose bolts on some of its planes. This is not particularly encouraging, Robbie. They found loose bolts, yes. So they're going through and investigating them. Yeah, United Airlines says, Yep. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It was not. It was not somebody, as producer Robbie said, that forgot to per, uh, turn their airplane mode on on their phones. Um, by the way, I've had a number of pilots tell me that it would take a lot of cell phones all operating at the same exact time to make uh, any meaningful impact on the systems on board an airplane. I've, I've had people tell me that. So, but anyway, the airplane mode thing. No, that's not it. United Airlines said that its inspections had found instances that appear to relate to installation issues in the door plug. So this is an example of 
a product liability case, right? A product itself was built in a faulty way. It is not a maintenance issue per se, but it needs to be remedied by maintenance people uh, who service uh, these jets for the airlines. Uh, so this, I suspect, is one of the reasons why the air safety regulators had uh, issued an emergency order. But remember, and if you weren't, you missed it earlier, I, I mentioned that this particular flight, this particular flight that had uh, left the Pacific Northwest, was headed to Southern California, was given a, a flight limitation to fly only over land. And that's, uh, well, they because those flights will typically fly across the Pacific Ocean, down across the coast of California. And so again, I, I'm, I'm surmising from that that they knew that there was some sort of a problem and that this issue was known before the incident itself occurred. Now, all sorts of, of consequences come from this. Obviously, the FAA now is going to has put a stop to operating all these airplanes. Also, I think I think Boeing today lost twelve billion. So I think Nikki Haley's got to be in a financial pinch today. No, I mean, I, <laughs> well, well, I mean that's what you know. They're always talking about all her Boeing stock. And Raytheon stock. So, I mean, if if you're the Haley's right now, you're uh you're you're feeling finally the some of the economic pain that the rest of us in the country have to contend with. Now, speaking of economic pain, I wanted to share this with you because it is an opposing view from somebody I respect. And one thing I will always tell you, folks, is I'm willing to listen to anyone. Uh, intelligent, anyone that's on the ground, anyone that has firsthand information and change my opinion on things, okay? Now, I haven't changed my opinion per se, but I've, I just saw this today, and I, I plan on reaching out to him because I deeply, deeply respect this man. Gino Ferraro, who is the proprietor uh, uh, of Ferraro's Las Vegas, this is a restaurant that is phenomenal. Italian restaurant, absolutely incredible. It's on the backside of the strip on Paradise. Paradise and uh, Harmon, I believe, so... If you know where the Hofbrau House is, it's just across the street. And don't go to the Hofbrau House. Please go to Ferrara's. It is absolutely unbelievable food, an incredible wine list, a great spot. And he wrote an open letter basically about the Formula One disaster. Now, remember over there on the backside of the strip, I mean, it was bad. He talks about losing in excess of $2 million in the time period that this was all done. And it talks also about his employees that, uh, overall, 80 people received approximately 20% less pay than the year before and asking who's going to reimburse Ferraro's and his staff. And goes through it, and, and look, his call is to move Formula One somewhere far away from the Strip, which I, I, I disagree with. Here's, the, here's one thing that I, I, I will say, though, about this entire mess, and that is that, you know, we, we are so terrible at doing things efficiently sometimes here in in las vegas the way these road closures were handled i, I was on the strip yesterday and two out of four lanes going uh southbound on the strip were closed now i cannot friends for the life of me i drove the entire length of it i couldn't figure out what in the he double hockey sticks those a-holes what were they doing i couldn't tell you 
but they closed two lanes just because. And I don't understand why the county, and it's the county, right? It's not the city. Those of you who don't live here, understand the, the strip is, uh, is unincorporated and it's under the control and direction of the county commission. I don't understand why the county commission can't hold all of these uh, construction folks and, and Las Vegas paving and all these jerks who are out there. They just will close unnecessary portions of the road. So maybe one of the solutions here is that we simply <laughs> have some qualified people in charge of supervising future setups and takedowns and road improvements on the strip. And maybe also it was a colossally bad idea to do 81 total road upgrades all in the same time as building the Formula One track for the first time in the first year here in Vegas. Maybe doing Dropicana and doing Formula One all at the same time was a little much. So when Gino writes, I strongly believe that we need to rethink the strategy on how we can accommodate our visitors prior to the race and during. I agree with that. Absolutely. And I, you know, and I, I, I hear him on this and I, I, I just, it's, it's frustrating as all hell, but I, I, I witnessed it firsthand that when we were closing down portions of the road here in Vegas for Formula One, it was nonsensical. And these guys moved like molasses. These, I watched Las Vegas paving out there move like sea slugs. And I see it here downtown too. Incidentally, nothing to do with Formula One. They need to repave a street. Do you know how long? my street past my office building on Casino Center between, let's say, California and Wyoming, those of you who know downtown, uh, those of you who don't, this is meaningless, but, but, you know, several blocks dug up for weeks on end and it's already graded and everything. What, do they run out of asphalt? If you're going to dig up the damn street, be ready to come in right away and lay the new asphalt so that it gets done and sorted as soon as possible. But they didn't do that. And I know it's not a money thing. It's just a scheduling thing. They need to coordinate the dig-up crew and the replacement crew. How hard is that? And so I, you know, the real story here, the more I think about it, is the enormous amount I am, I have no direct evidence of this, but I just suspect with one big paving company getting all the contracts here in Vegas. My suspicion is that, well, some good old-fashioned Vegas hanky-panky is, uh, is at play. I could, it's just a speculation. These are mere allegations. Not even allegations. Just my nose picking something up. But I, I tell you this because th that th if this had all been done more efficiently, uh, the pain could have been significantly less. Maybe we can have both you can have Formula One and actually not destroy our city if we're just a little bit more efficient. And that efficiency is something that we certainly here um, in, in Las Vegas need to, uh, need to work on. But like, I, I, I'm, uh, I, I know, like over back behind Harmon, when there, Harman, so Harman was along the track, so where, where Gino was, it, 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 you know, it, was, it was about a block away from the track. Ferraro's, yes, the restaurant Ferraro's. 
They're um, in the 4,000 block of Paradise. They're right across, yes, right across from from um, from the Hofbrau House, sort of between the Strip and UNLV in the, in, the, in the corner of the airport there. It's a great location. It's sort of a Strip-adjacent location, which normally is, is great for them because they pick up local business and also, of course, some, some Strip business. Um, but, you know, it's easy to park. There's a parking lot in front of the restaurant and a strip mall. So, you, you know, you're not dealing with the whole production of going to the strip and going to a casino. But again, uh, Gino Ferraro's uh, absolutely, uh, he has a fabulous restaurant, Ferraro's Restaurant. And I, his open letter, um, yeah, his open letter here is getting a lot of attention in the F1 debate and people are sharing it. So I thought I would pass that along to you. Okay. All right, we'll we'll get to some of the rest of this tomorrow, Robbie. It's stuff is popping. I know, but but look, long and the short of it is, folks. I think uh, Biden doubling down on this J six thing. I think this was a bad idea. And and Robbie, you said it right uh, during the break to me. I don't think if there is some real earth shattering proof that will come out or that is known at this time about. Uh, the real causes of January 6th and all the violence. If people have that, it's not coming out now. They're going to let Biden run with it for a while and, and, and late in the year before November, little October surprise, it will all drop. And um, I, it's just a different world now than it was four years ago. People are PO'd. So we'll follow this. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, The What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. We'll continue tomorrow. Be safe out there, folks. See you later.